we're, we're talking about um, Made to Worship um, over the next couple of uh, weeks. That's our new series, and it's, it's about worship. And we, um, I think, let's all be honest, like we have certain connotations when we think about worship, um, mainly music. Um, and I'm not here to say that that's wrong. I'm saying that's just not all worship is. Um, and so we're going to be looking through Scripture over the next couple of weeks, looking at different topics, um, broadening our understanding of worship to come to realize that that we as um, as humans have actually been created to worship with the express purpose of worshiping and worshiping God. Um, and so worship does not just um, happen on a Sunday um, where there's music when Peter's letting it rip, you know. Um, otherwise, we'd have to wait for seven days before we could worship God again, and that just doesn't make sense because God is everywhere. God is all around us. God is so interested in our lives. He's so interested in what you get up to every day, of second of the week, um, and he loves us so much. Um, and so he's worthy to be praised and worshipped every day of our life with everything that we've got, with all our actions, with our mind, with our body, with our spirit, and with our soul. And so I'm really um, excited about this topic um, because it's it's funny because this week, um, this is what I do when I preach. I um, The week leading up to it or the two weeks leading up to it, I get really, pray for her. <laughs> um, I really get into the topic, and there's there's reasons for that. Um, um, I get obsessed throughout the week um, about a topic when I'm preaching, and yeah, there's reasons for that. One of it is, even though I've preached probably over 20, 50 times now in the last couple of years, um, I still get nervous. We all get nervous, and so um, so I prep. Um, other reasons, um, I've got a lot of smart people in the room here who are very well-versed in the Bible, so I don't want to be throwing out heresies or things that I can't defend from Scripture. So I want to make sure I know my stuff and it's sound. Um, but most importantly, um, there's something about dedicating, you know, a, a, a good chunk of your time to a topic. And uh, when it comes to learning about things of, of God, um, particularly around, around worship, oh, this week has been a good week for me because I've been able to go so deep into the Word and it's not actually been about the things that I've learned. It's in the moments where I wasn't learning and I was just gardening and I was listening to Shout to the Lord or I was listening to Holy Spirit Rain Down, um, those those old school Hillsong songs that I grew up on. It's, it's, it's when I was listening to those things and I was just pruning a tree and, and Holy Spirit Rain Down was just singing and it just kept singing and it kept singing. Those words kept being played in my ears and then the last time it happened, I just started weeping uncontrollably. And I'm a tradesman, and that's that's not really supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be a man's man, even though I'm a gardener and I prune pretty trees and whatnot. Um, regardless, I'm in someone's property. I'm up on a ladder. I'm, I'm I'm cutting this crepe myrtle. And in that last line, Holy Spirit rained down. It was as if literally the Holy Spirit hit me so hard, and I began to weep uncontrollably. And I've been having those moments over and over and over this week, and it's because I have intentionally spent time wanting to know God and, and wanting to know what does it actually mean to worship Him. And it, 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 it's been a great week. And so I'm so amped to, um, to share with you guys and hope that I can share some stuff and help you guys 
um, to see that, yeah, we as, 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 as people are, are made to worship God and he is, he is worthy of our praise. Um, first verse that I've got, it's just kind of a way to frame kind of what we're talking about and just kind of keep this in the back of your mind. Do we have some slides? <laughs> Thanks, Meg. Um, the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. How awesome is that? Side note, um, we went out taking pictures. I'm not really into s- astrophotography, but this is this is one of Nicole's uh, photos that she um, that she took. Look at that Milky Way; it's amazing. And then Nicole said, "You have to let everyone know that the only reason why I know how to do that is because Naomi taught me." And so, thank you, Naomi, for that. Um, and that kind of, like, without a tangent, like, you give credit to the person that teaches you things. You give credit to the creator of all things. It's just a little side note there. Don't stop at the thing. Go to the thing behind the thing, which is God. Cool. So we're going to be looking at some Hebrew, which is awesome. We're going to be um, covering some topics today, so, like, that we are made to worship. Um, so throughout the weeks... Um, Coming up, we're going to be talking about things like musical worship, corporate worship, serving others, living a life of worship. All these things are worship. Um, I want to lay down this foundation of what actually worship is. Um, And like a big question, why we actually find it hard to worship God? What's that about? Why do we find it hard to worship God? And so um, my first, if anyone's a note taker, my first... um, point is that when we praise him for the good things we have in life, that is worship. And so um, for each section, I'm going to pose a a different Hebrew word that shows an aspect of worship because, shocking, uh, English only has one word for worship. Hebrew has many, 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 and they, they have different aspects of worship. And so we can actually see a fuller picture of what worship is when we look at the Hebrew, and this first one is called uh, halal, um, which comes from hallelujah. Um, so the word means to shine about, and I, I love that term to shine about. I think it. I think we need to start using it um, because it's it's it, it it feels a bit awkward. But when you think about it, you go, "Wow, that's really interesting imagery to shine about, or to praise something to someone else, or to boast about something." It's where we get the word hallelujah. Like literally, hallelujah means to shine about Yahweh, Jesus, or God, God the Father. And so how do we know that we are made to worship? That's the first thing that we need to, if, if this topic is called made to worship, how do we know that we're made to worship? So yes, there are some indicators in the Bible that we can look at, but honestly, we can look at ourselves and realize quite naturally we are inclined to shine about things to give praise to things, to boast about things. Um, does, is anyone a Swifty here? Or does anyone live with a Swifty? I live with a Swifty, and it is, it's a hard life. Um, please pray for me. Um, because Taylor Swift has taken over this world in this last 18 months with her, t- with her tour. Um, and it's taken over our household. Um, Nicole loves Taylor Swift, um, and I take pleasure in crapping on Taylor Swift just to to get Nicole upset, um, and and so that she will continue to defend Taylor Swift even more. Um, 
but I've repented of that this week because um, God has convicted me that I shouldn't do that anymore. And this is why. Um, what is it about Taylor Swift that my wife loves so much and, and everyone else in this world, seemingly? Even um, young liberal conservatives love Taylor Swift, as I've <laughs> found out. Um, you think about, she's, she's talented. She, she has a good voice. Um, her songs are catchy and boppy, um, but on a more deep level, um, her songs um, speak about themes and about stories that, that impact people, that people can relate to. Um, she loves her, um, her fans. She loves her fans. And honestly, her songs just make people feel good. And that's why people love Taylor Swift. And so when people like my wife love Taylor Swift and they can't help but talk about Taylor Swift, that is Nicole shining about Taylor Swift, boasting about Taylor Swift, because Taylor Swift makes her feel so good that she can't help but tell others about it. And that's not a bad thing. We have such a, a thing between the Christian and the non-Christian things, and we go, we can't love Taylor Swift like that because that's idolatry. But no, we can do that. But honestly, if it's just, I like Taylor Swift because she's awesome and, and her music makes me feel good, there's nothing wrong with that. And so we have this natural inclination to respond to things that make us feel good and we shine about them and we boast about them and that's really awesome. And where does that come from? I believe it comes from our God who took delight in us when he created the world. He shines about us and then he plants that quality of shining about things and loving things and boasting about things he loves that. If you, look, if you think about Genesis 1, um, in all of creation, God plants attributes and qualities of himself in all of his creation, including us. So if you think about the stars and the moon and the sun and what their job is, it says in Genesis that they, their job is to bring light into this world. They all have different types of light. You've got the warm light, you've got the cool light, you've got the little pretty lights. But they all reflect light or they have an attribute of light. And where does that light come from? It comes from God who on the first day separated light from dark. He gave them the job of light. And so when we look at the sun and the moon and the stars, we can look at that and go, wow, how good is God? because the, what they do is give us light, but that light comes from their creator. When you think about things like the mountains and the, and the sea and the, and the pastures, um, you know, have you ever been taken back by a mountain? You go, how the heck is that thing so big and so grand and it just stays up there? Well, think about who created that. Like if you want to think about awestruck and wonder, like going to Yosemite National Park and seeing these massive mountains. You go, wow, how good is God? Because it reflects his grandness. It reflects his power. If you've ever been in the ocean and you've got a big wave coming and you don't know whether to catch it or to, to abandon ship, um, man, there is so much power in nature and grandness in nature. And we can look at them and go, that's God. He created that. That's amazing. 
when you think about animals and plants, for me as a gardener, I can't treat plants the same. Every plant has a different need. And it is so frustrating as a gardener. I can't cut Japanese maples the way that I cut crepe myrtles. Crepe myrtles are the trees um, that have these nice flowers in summer. And I can, I can cut them to bits. And they will be like, yeah, cut some more because I'm going to come back stronger with better flowers. I can't do that with a Japanese maple. If I try to cut a Japanese maple, they'll go, Bleh, dead. Um, and that's frustrating, but, but for me as a gardener, um, looking at the creativity and the uniqueness of the plants and the animals that we have in this world, it causes me to reflect on how unique and creative God is. And so lastly, when we think about humans, you know, God saw that everything that he created was good, but then when he came to humans, he saw that it was very, very good. We are the pinnacle of his creation. We embody God in a way that no other thing that God created can do. The way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we can make things, the way that we can show compassion. Animals hardly have compassion. Our cats have compassion to an extent, but only on their terms. Um, And it's really because they just want something. It's like, yeah, I'll sit on you if you rub me. Um... But humans, how complex we are and how unique we are, how every single person in this room has a different DNA. And it says that we are made in his image. And so we are the most like God. We have the most likeness with God. And so the fact that he delights in his creation, he sees that things are good and then he sees that the, the, the humans are very good. He, he delights in his creation. He also planted that desire in us to delight in the good things of this world and that is a very very good thing to be able to go in this world and enjoy life from um, watching a good movie and have that impact you i mean i I watched titanic by myself last week and i couldn't stop raving about it because i hadn't watched in 15 years and i realized it still holds up it's a it's a masterpiece it's a tragic tragic movie but it's an absolute masterpiece and i gave glory to god for james cameron who directed Titanic, because it's, it's good a movie, and, and humans have the ability to create such amazing things that make us feel. God delights in us, and then he plants his delight in us so that we may delight in the things we have in this world. But the problem is if we, don't, if we stop there and we don't actually delight in him who gave us this stuff, that's when idolatry and, and, and fixation on um, the stuff that we have in this world, and that's when we can get into trouble. So when it comes to shining about stuff, about praising, about boasting about stuff, Nicole, don't stop boasting about Taylor because she's awesome. And I will watch the documentary. <laughs> You've been telling me for months. Um, because God made us that way, to, to praise things. But he wants us to praise him above all. I got a verse, uh, Psalm 148 to uh, 1 to 5, which kind of depicts this, all the heavens, all the earth, all the angels, all the sun, the moon, the stars. They, yeah, take a note of this because I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I love this, this last, bit, last bit. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his command, for at his command they created him. So the fact that he created everything in this world is the reason why we can't help but praise him. Point number two, 
when we remember, we worship. So the word remember when it comes to worship, to, to remember, to recall, to mind, to make oneself aware of, is the, la- the, the word that most appears in the Bible, like, like the most numbers, 230 times, 232 times it appears in the Bible and it's relating to worship. This idea that we can remember, like, like the, the act of remembering brings about a worship and a posture and, 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 and feeling good. And so, like, it's, it's easy, if we go back to kind of our previous verse, it's very easy, it seems very easy to be wowed by the things of this world. But why is it that we find it hard to be wowed by God in our everyday? It's an interesting question. Um, and I believe it's because, and it's, it's, it's actually a much more simple um, answer than you think it is, it's because we worship an invisible God. Like, God is not, like, here physically with me like, like I can see Peter. So, like, it's hard for me to forget Peter when he's right here because he's, he's looking at me. But when, when God is invisible and we worship an invisible God, it, it is a lot harder to, to remember him in our everyday. And so we get distracted by the stuff in this world, by the, the worries, by um, the work pressures, um, by the nice things in life, by our holidays. Um, and if we don't give credit to God in those moments and don't, don't praise him for those things and we just think about the stuff, we can very easily forget about God. And so that's why God is so intent, especially with, his, with the Israelites that we see with the Bible, that he always says, remember me, remember who I am, remember what I did for you, remember how much I love you. So when we remember God in our everyday, like with the good stuff that we have in this world and going straight to how good is God, that I get to rake leaves every day, that is worship. And that's something that we can do every day. But it is a choice. We don't always feel like remembering God. We don't always feel like worshipping God. It is an active choice to remember that. But when we put that in those practices and we continue to remember God, like thinking about the songs that we've been singing tonight, it, it brings about this idea of nostalgia. And nostalgia is a very powerful thing. We start seeing it. We, we see it all through our movies and our music at the moment. Like the most popular songs are like... Um, uh, things that are like songs that have like the chorus of an ABBA song or um, like an old, um, you know, like when we, when we do our Gen Life videos, like I, we, we used Ice Ice Baby, which is from the, from the 90s. And I was like, yeah, I love that song. That's awesome. Nostalgia is such a powerful thing. Like you think about the movies, they're doing remakes. They're doing Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3. Don't watch 3, it's disappointing. But... Um, you know, nostalgia brings about happy and fond memories. Like, that's why we love the Star Wars. It's, it's why we continue to watch the Marvel movies, because it brings about happy memories. And that's why we chose to su- sing old songs tonight, because we were pretty confident that when you heard those songs, that you would be almost transported back to a moment when, when, when potentially faith was a bit simpler. It transports you back to a time where, where you fell in love with God for the first time. And the song... Made to worship, uh, sorry, um, heart of worship, coming back to the heart of worship, that song just talks about just just keep it simple, just keep it simple. And that song, um, and that's why I loved, um, I love the old uh, Hillsong songs, and I've been listening to them on repeat this week because they remind me of a time when I first started to, to get to know Jesus. And it, it brought me back to memories of going to Kurong 
and uh, my dad checking out the theology books and I know he's going to be there for a couple of hours and so me and my brother would race to, to the um, music section where there were CDs, when there used to be CDs um, and we'd check out the latest Hillsong and we'd just sit there and we'd just listen and we would just worship God um, in Kurong. Remembering is such a powerful thing and God instructs his people to never forget and to always remember who he is. Because what happens when we forget and stop worshipping God? Like, let's think about, like, the golden calf story in Exodus. Um, The Egyptians had just gotten out of Egypt. Sorry, the Israelites had just gotten out of Egypt. Um, They'd seen some pretty crazy, amazing things. God was, um, was parting the seas. He was in a cloud of fire. He was destroying the enemies. He was protecting them. And then he led them out of Egypt. And then they got to the foot of a mountain... Um, and God said, hey, come up on the mountain with me. I want to be with you. And they're like, nope, that's scary. And so they send Moses, their leader. They go, hey, you, you deal with him and we'll, we'll hang back. Um, and so then Moses went up on the mountain and then they hear what sounded like an eruption, a volcano, and they didn't hear from Moses for 40 days. And they're like, oh, he must be dead. He must have forgotten us. God's not interested in us anymore. And so what did they do next? So they, they made a golden calf and began to worship that instead. They forgot God and it only took 40 days for them to remember. You know, if you've heard that line that it takes 21 days to break a habit, maybe it only takes 40 days to break one. And so when that whole generation dies off and um, Moses brings the law a second time in this book called Deuteronomy... He warns the, um, the second generation, because they're about to enter the promised land, and he says this in Deuteronomy 8, 10 to 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart, let's slow this down, will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. When I listened to that this week, when I was gardening, it, it, it impacted me so much because it is so true today. That is what we do today. When we look at the things that we do and the wealth that we can accumulate with our own hands, the, the, the money that goes into our bank account, um, the things that we learn and stuff like that, we start to become proud of ourselves because it looks like we're the one doing it and we forget God. It's like, hey, God, we don't need you because look what I can do. But who gave you the ability to do all these things? Who formed you in your mother's womb? Who gave you these qualities? Who gave you a brain to be so smart? Who gave you the patience to be in the APS? (laughs) God did. God did. We need to owe everything to God. And when we remember that everything we have in this world comes from Him, It is impossible to forget him. So we wake up in the morning, we go, thank you, God, for that sleep. Thank you, God, for that bed. Thank you, God, for the milk. Thank you, God, for the oatmeal. Thank you, God, for the minus six weather. 
Thank you, God, for the leaves because it means that springtime's just around the corner. We praise him in our everyday. We never forget. We always remember that all the things we have in this world, all the things that we shine about, first came from God. And so we can praise him every day. We don't need to wait till Sunday with the music. We can praise him every minute of every day by giving praise and honour to the author of all. So a little practical, how can you remember God this week? Start thinking about that because we, we start putting in the habit and it'll feel like work at the beginning, but soon it'll become so natural to you and then you'll start seeing God everywhere you go. You'll start seeing him in everything and it's, it's actually quite, quite amazing. Point number three, when we sacrifice, we worship. So the last word that I want to talk about, and there's so many other words about worship. There's, there's the idea of referen- reverence. There's the idea of thanksgiving. There's the, the, the idea of posturing yourself, like physically, like bowing down, dancing, singing. Um, there's so many other words like around worship, but I want to talk about sacrifice. 162 times you see it in the Bible, and, and these um, words are to do with worship and sacrifice. Um, it's like they're interrelated. It's like that you can't have worship without sacrifice. I think about the the story of Abraham being tested. This is the first story that this word, that Zebak, comes up, this idea of sacrifice. It says, early in the morning, this is Genesis 22, 3 to 5, early in the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood from the burnt offering, he, sat, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to, all his, ser- said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go with the boy and we go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So what's the context here? God told Abraham that you must sacrifice your one and only son. Let that sink in. God was testing Abraham to see how much he trusted God. So the promise that God had given Abraham was that I will give you a son in, in your old age and I will bless your family and your ancestors will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and they will all come through your seed, through Isaac. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice your son as an act of worship to me. That's very confronting. Some people say that Abraham trusted that God would redeem the promise either through raising Isaac from the dead or another way. But I don't think that's the point. It was a test. And Abraham truly trusted that the promise was going to be fulfilled regardless of what God had told him to do and that he was going to continue to worship God even if it meant giving up something that he loved more than anything in the world. And I think this is such a stark picture of what it means to truly worship God. Are you willing to lay down something that you love so much or lay down a sense of yourself that you don't want to let go of and trust that when you do that, it will be an act of worship and God will be pleased. 
there are all things in our life. There are things in our life that we hold on to so tightly, whether it be just our, our sense of ourself, um, not wanting to uh, pick up your friend who, who drank too much at Mooseheads and they need a lift home. You just want to stay in bed, but if you get up and you, you sacrifice your time and you love this person, that is worship. When you give up the, the nice new car and you, you get a, um, a less nice car and you then use that money to give to someone who really needs it, that is worship. When you choose to forgive your friend who has been giving you a hard time, you choose to essentially choose the light path over the dark path, this is going to really hurt and I think it's such an injustice that this person has been so mean to me. But Jesus forgives them because Jesus paid it all and so I forgive them and I am going to actively forgive this person to, to reconcile the situation so life can go on. That is worship. We worship God through, through our sacrifice. Because God knows what's best in this world and He loves this world so much and we align with Him and that is an act of worship. We get this imagery of, of sacrifice and it says that, that the aroma of the sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord. The smell when, when in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament when they would, um, when they would sacrifice the calves and whatnot the, the, or, or, or the, the grain offering. I mean, like... There's nothing better than baked bread, let's be honest. The freshly baked bread, that smell, it's pleasing to the Lord. But the thing is, like, the, a lot of the things that they were sacrificing for God were the best things that they had. It was the fattened calf. It was the spotless lamb. It was the first of their, their grain, you know. It was the best that they had. And, like, we acknowledge that you are the giver of all, so it is nothing to give the best that I've got because you deserve it all. But the most amazing thing is that God shows us the depths of His love through sacrifice. And so this is where I want to, yeah, kind of like bring it home and, and land it with Jesus. Like any, any good preacher needs to land it on Jesus. And so Romans 5, 6, and Nicole, if you want to start playing piano just to set the mood. No. <laughs> um, it says Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, just at, at just the right time when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is where we fully understand the depths of, G of, of God's love. And it's when he gave up his own son so that we may have eternal relationship with our Creator. There is, there is no greater love and purpose in this world when we truly get to be in communion with God. Like we get a sense of who we are. We understand what we're supposed to do on this earth. It transforms every part of our life. It transforms our workplace. It transforms our home. When we understand the depth of His love, that He would give up the best thing in this world, that He would give up His most prized possession in this world, His, His greatest joy, Jesus, His Son, for the benefit 
of us. Mere humans that stuff up all the time, that are sinful, that, that, that disobey, that forget God. And God's like, I see that. And all I see is a problem that is not going to be fixed in of itself. So I need to intervene because all I want in this world is to love you. All I want in this world is to delight in you. He's speaking to you right now. All God wants is to love and delight and for you to be happy and for you to be purpose-filled and to have joy in Him. And so He sacrifices His Son for us. And though it doesn't make sense in our mind, it sometimes makes sense, it seems to make sense in our heart and in our soul, that one man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth would bring about a totally revolutional way to live that he would come into this world and he would empty himself. He would become a human from heaven. He would come down and he would be a baby. And he would grow up in Israel and he was so close to God that he knew him, that he began to express the love of God in everyday life, that he saw the downtrodden, he saw the people that had been excommunicated from society and he loved them and he redeemed them and he showed him them the love of God. And that he was misunderstood by the, the leaders of the day and he paid the price for it. But he knew that by dying on the cross would bring about salvation and eternal communion opportunity for us to be in relationship with our Father forever and ever and ever. Amen. As long as we come to Him and say, I need you, God. I need you. I want you. And I know, even though it doesn't make sense, that, that, that this man dying on the cross, His blood pays the way so that when we are in front of God, we are in the throne room when we are present with Him, when we are in His presence, God doesn't see sin and brokenness. He sees perfection. And that is a gift we cannot pay back. And so our only response when we understand this, it says Romans 12:1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, He's talking to you right now, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. God has showed me this week what it means to fully worship Him. And it didn't come from learning lots of things. It didn't come from doing all the right things. It didn't come from the three-point presentation and say, if I do this, this, and this, then I will know how to worship God. It came from me being open to Him and being obsessed with Him. And I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to just forgetting Him because it feels so good to know that the very reason I'm on this, work, on this earth is to worship Him and love Him and every aspect of my life is a living sacrifice for Him. There is nothing that God can, can demand of me anymore because I am home. And if you will sacrifice things in your everyday for the greater good, if you sacrifice pleasures in this world and you commit to Him, if you sacrifice your own insecurities 
and love people, if you start partnering with Him in the good work, if you start bringing this kingdom in this world by loving and serving people and praying for people and forgiving people and not creating disunity in this community that we call the church, if we repent of those things and we forgive each other and know that we all are united under Christ, there is nothing that God can't do through us. We will see this kingdom on earth. We will see people saved. And we will understand that the very reason why we're on this earth is to worship Him. And you will feel so close to Him. You will know who you are. I know there will be a tendency for me to to forget the, the moment that I had with this week, but I don't want to. Worship is about entering into His presence or, or an easier way to understand being present with Him because God is always present with us, but maybe we're not always present with Him. Maybe we forget. God is, really, is, is willing to turn up and meet you where you're at, whether you're on the, on the highest mountain or you're in the, on, in the pits. God sees you and He loves you. And He's there for you and He's ready for you to come to Him and unload on all the things that are going on in your life. And He says, I get it. I've been there. I love you. I forgive you. And I'm calling you into a better life. But let me leave this with you. Worship is a choice. When we come here and we're singing songs and we're singing songs about bowing down and whatnot, I get that we're in a Western society and, and we've grown up not to express ourselves, but God loves it when we express ourselves. He loves it when we, when we use our body, when, we, when we're real with Him, when we start crying. Like I used to be so insecure about crying, but I realized that's how God created me. God likes me to feel things because that's where He hits me the hardest. And so... Tonight, we're going to finish off with a song, another, another song that might bring about a bit of nostalgia. And it's this song that paints a picture that if the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the land was meant to worship, was made to worship, so will I. So will I, so will I, so will I. You may not know this song. It's, it's, it's very wordy. So if you don't know the song, just spend this time in reflection. Spend this time kind of beginning to understand what it means to worship God. It's not about the music, although this really helps. It's about the remembering. It's about the sacrificing. It's about the praising Him and being awed by Him and, and, and shining about Him. I think sometimes we, we get a bit upset about people that are so into worship and they get so excited. They're not doing it because they want you to look at them. They're doing it because they're shining about Him and they're so in love with J Jesus that they don't care how they look because it's just Him and it's just me and Jesus now. I don't care what you all think about how I act or look because it's just me and Jesus. That's what it means to praise Him. And so if you've never raised your hands, if you've never cried in worship, if you've never bowed down, there is no judgment here because God sees your sacrifice and it is pleasing to Him. And when we do things with our body and we respond to Him in such a way, Peter will confirm this because he's a psychology whiz. When we do things, when actions start, feelings follow. 
Sometimes we need to act first and then God will meet us and our feelings will follow. God is here with us tonight. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So how about we worship Him with everything that we've got? Throw off anything that is holding you back tonight. And this is just week one of worship. We've got a whole whole series. I really hope that this really transforms the way that you worship God this week. So we're going to, all over, you know, forever. I hope that this series just changes your life forever. Not because of me, not because of God, but because God is deserving of everything that you